talking about at all. But it's important, I think. And hopefully it'll become clear why it's important to take some time out. So I'm actually going to start today with the response. So cut out the middleman. You don't need the sermon. Let's just go straight to the response. Not quite true, but you never know what God will do. And uh, as I was preparing this morning, I had a real sense that God wants to touch our hearts today. So let's see what he does. So without any more further ado, close your eyes. We want to connect with him this morning. We want Jesus to be the focus of everything that we are, everything that we think, everything we absorb. And I want you to chat to him and catch. Those of you who don't know, those are simple words that explain what prayer is. We chat to God and we catch God's word to us. It's simple, and it's uh, explained in a way that children can understand, but actually we're all children, and I think we all need simplicity in prayer. So let's just take some time out. Tell him how you feel about him. What does he mean to you? If it helps... Take a breath. Don't you know the everlasting God never grows tired or weary? Those who call in him for help, they will receive the strength they will need. They will rise on eagles' wings. They will run and not grow faint. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But he who waits upon the Lord will renew his strength. Okay. Thank you, God. I've got this lovely app here that tells me what my PowerPoint is and all my notes, but um, I'm still learning how to use it. We're going to cover an interesting passage of the Bible. I, um, I went last November to a, a sort of training course for people who run their own business. Well, actually, it isn't just for people who run their own business. It's actually for anyone who's involved in the world of work, which kind of is everybody. And it's about finding your anointing in that place of work. It's particularly good if you run your own business because... You can focus on lots of questions about the business itself. And I was going along to this course expecting to be sort of inspired about my business, inspired about what it is I do every day, you know, things like invoicing and how to, um, you know, price your work adequately in the kingdom sense. Or something. What I wasn't quite prepared for was really meeting with God in a very powerful way. So much so that it, it totally took, took me by surprise, but it was great. It was one of those wonderful times where 
actually, there was only six of us in the group, and we've all become friends since then. And uh, the guy who runs it is uh, a friend of mine, and he, he's also a, a business consultant. He um, tells people about their business and asks them lots of very intricate questions to sort of guide you on your way. But this particular thing was like nothing else I'd, I'd experienced in that respect. It, was, it was really was time out for me as a person. Now, I was two days away um, in a, a place in Cambridge, <clears throat> and we spent a lot of time just doing exactly what we'd just done, just talking to God. And one of the things we did was a divine reading. It's when you read a piece of the Bible and you ask God and you quieten your heart and you say, God, reveal something to me in this passage. And then as you prayerfully consider the passage, you start to write notes on the passage. It was a photocopied piece of paper, so I just scribbled notes. And it just came alive to me. And so I thought I'd share it with you this morning. And it's a, it's a passage I've known about for a long time. I've read it several times, but it's up interesting passage. Strange, a little strange. What's it doing there in the Bible? Not really sure. And consequently, I didn't really give it much thought. Um, and every time I read it, and even when I looked on meanings of it on the internet, on the internet, don't you just love Google? It comes up with very sort of straightforward interpretations. Let's see what you think. Proverbs 31, starting at verse 10. Give you some time to rustle your notes. Oh, yes, I forgot about this. Let me just check it. Hmm? Does it work? For those of you listening to the tape, I'm now fiddling with a piece of kit which is supposed to progress the slide. It's, it was you. Yeah, well, I'll just, I'll sort of, I'll talk to you. Okay, so. King Lemuel, I don't know who he was, wrote this passage, fascinating passage. Okay, here we go. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax, and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark and provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hands, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. 
She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed in strength and dignity and she can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. So many wry grins going on here. It's hilarious. You guys, you have to see yourselves. <clears throat> Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. What's it all about then? Any ideas? Talk to me. What's this passage about? Sorry? Working hard. <laughs> yes, certainly is. She's, she's an amazing woman, isn't she? Quite amazing. Caroline. Doing what's in your hand to do, definitely. Seizing opportunities, yes. She's a very confident woman, just gets on with it. Yeah, quite inspirational. I'll wait for you, Gwen, just a minute. Come back to you. Yes? Okay. What were you going to say, Gwen? He, I'll tell you in a minute. What were you going to say? Hmm. Yep, she was right, supporting a household, running the family, and running the family business inspirationally. Andrew said something quite key. Hannah? <laughs> she is an idealized figure, definitely. Yes. She may have been a real woman, for all we know. But the question I'm asking is, why is it in the Bible? And Andrew's given us an indication. Not many heard it, which is fine. We'll come back to it. As an example, yes? God's bounty and resources, yes. Okay. It's about us. It's about the church. And this is a word for lifeline. It's a word for all churches, but it's actually about us. And we'll expound it. When I discovered this, a light bulb went on because I thought, hang on a second. There's so much of this we already do. But how much more is there to come? <laughs> Think about it. This is awesome. Excuse my voice. I'm just getting a bit excited here. It's awesome. This woman is our role model. Okay, guys. I know it's about a woman, but let's suspend that for a moment, okay? Because it's about us too. It's about the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ 
is referred to in the female form, classically in Bible anyway. Um, but that's us. That's all of us. Let's go through some bits in detail. She gets up while it was still dark. Now, okay, it's starting to lighten in the mornings, but who was around during the conference? How many people had to get up while it was still dark to go fetch people from the airport? Put your hands up while it was still dark. There was one time when we had how many cars out at the same time, Martin? Eight or nine cars all going out, various parts. This is the schedule. There was a, another spreadsheet called the big one, wasn't it, or something? The big schedule or something. We had so, it was such a complex piece of work. Seriously, that conference was bonkers. There's no way on earth we should have accomplished it all, but we did. And there were times when I looked at the plans and I just thought, the plans of men, really? We just get so excited. Uh, spreadsheets really excite me anyway. <laughs> I, I know, seriously, what kind of a person am I? But look, you can filter it. You can filter it here by the countries that people come from and calculate how many people came from the Ukraine or Sierra Leone. And you could work out which ones come from which airport and how many people. It was quite an awesome piece of logistics getting everyone in the right place at the right time, but we did it. We got up while it was still dark. Portions for the servants, verse 15 again. Servants speaks of young people. She mentors the young people. Let me just actually go back to the passage itself, verse 15, where it says, uh, bookmarks, honestly. Okay. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. So she's providing portions. Portions speaks of teaching, speaks of an allocation of God's word to a person. So she's teaching the young people. Some of our young people. It's something that we're doing. We are providing portions for those who serve now but will one day lead the church. These are future leaders, people. Think about it. I don't know what they're going to be doing in years to come. And there are a few more of them. This is slightly out of focus, but they're all there having a lovely time at some away day. It was at Box Hill. Yeah. Having a wonderful time in Surrey. You can have a wonderful time in Surrey, I'm told. It is possible, says the man from Dagenham. <laughs> so we're investing in the next generation. This is us. This is a verse I really like. What does a vineyard look like? What might a vineyard look like? What does it speak of? Fruitfulness, yes growing stuff, taking the stuff you grow and turning it into something consumable and selling it. It's about a business. This is our vineyard. This is our vineyard. Look at it. And I know I'm particularly involved or have been in the Corner Coffee House and I adore everything about it. But 
It's something God has given us to do. And, you know, it's not the be-all and end-all of everything. It may be that we just do it for a season. But it's given us community connections in a way that nothing else could have done through serving the community, just as the wife of noble character served her community and served excellently. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Gotta have a coffee. It's good value, yes, it's, it's probably too good value, actually. You go to London, honestly, the price is high. But look, there it is, the excellence. And again, look, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. But this speaks of bounty and fruitfulness, cakes dripping with chocolate, dusted with sugar, the lemon curd sandwich filling. Seriously, you guys have got to try it. If you haven't, you're missing out. This is our vineyard. What other vineyards does God want to plant? What other vineyards? I think there's more to come. It's a small shop on the corner of Green Lane, but it speaks of potential, of fruitfulness, of something more to come. In her hands, the wife of noble character holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. I love the language. What's a distaff? Anybody know? Spinning. Right, okay. And the spindle is spinning and it's weaving and shuttling the loom and all the rest of it. It's about skill with tools. It's about getting your hands dirty, rolling your sleeves up. And what I particularly like about this wife of noble character, she's constantly focused on those who aren't so confident in life, those who need help. And she expresses love. One of the ways we express love is through peace together. It's a way in which you take tools and smash up old broken things and then create something new and beautiful out of the remnants of what was old and broken and withered. The things that were cast off, that were washed up in the storm, become objects of beauty. And that's kind of who we are as well. There are other ways in which we use tools for everyday life. What other ways do you think God wants to lead us in using everyday tools, whether they be physical tools like hammers and nails and pliers, generators, or whether they be electronic tools, such as computers. What does God want, us, want to use us for? The wife of noble character opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. I don't think we need to go too far to look and see all the people, all the organizations that are involved in doing just that. In the case of Faith Action, it's working with other groups of people who reach out to the poor and helping them, strengthening their arms. In the case of the Corner Coffee House, it's reaching your community. In the case of Open Doors, it's empowering people who otherwise have no voice. 
Community Connect is a new thing where we're giving people the opportunity through a website to connect with their community. Switch ID, transforming people's perceptions of young people through community service. The Nehemiah Project, I love that little logo, it's amazing. Um, it's going from strength to strength. The leaders are becoming more empowered to do what God has called them to do in Sierra Leone. And of course, Lifeline Community Projects and Lifeline Community Church. Just some of the ways in which we are opening our arms to the poor and extending our hands to the needy. Doubtless, you will have many other examples. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Why? Why? Why are they clothed? Hmm? Well, because they're clothed. Yeah, they're cold, yeah. But why are they, why are they no, not fear for snow? Why did they not fear snow? Sorry? She's provided. She's ready for every eventuality. She is Mrs. Contingency. I love that. Joseph was the wife of noble character. He provided Egypt with grain for seven years' worth of grain. So when seven years of famine came, Egypt became the breadbasket for the whole world at that time, the whole civilized world at the time. So people flocked to Egypt. You shall be a royal diadem in the house of the Lord, and the nations shall swarm to you, said Isaiah. In the same way, the nations will swarm to us because we have prepared ourselves for times of lack and difficult times, recession, as well as the times of plenty. We are ready for every eventuality. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Fine linen speaks of righteousness, speaks of good acts, good deeds. Purple speaks of what? Royalty. Hands up if you're wearing purple today. It's weird, isn't it? Amanda noticed this, and she didn't know it was significant to this word, but purple is a significant thing because it speaks of royalty. And we're all, loads, loads of us are wearing purple. I think it's really quite, quite great. God has plans for us to affect nations and affect royalty. Hands up who's been to Buckingham Palace. Okay, a few of us. I'm going to embarrass Avril now. Okay, so Avril collected an award from Buckingham Palace, but we were all there. She was representing Lifeline. Just as John represents Lifeline when he goes to Zimbabwe, Jamie represents Lifeline or uh, PJ when they go to Sierra Leone. So Avril represented us. We are rubbing shoulders with royalty. I like this other bit. Her husband is respected. He takes his seat among the elders of the land. What does that signify? The seat among the elders. Who are they? Government. Yes, absolutely. We are taking our seat in government. How much more has God got for us? David Cameron's got such a strange face. <laughs> it's really funny. But there's John and Nathan and uh, Eloge and Hannah. 
It's an amazing picture. It speaks of where we're at, who we are. And John had a word 20 years ago or more that he would be meeting prime ministers and presidents and royalty. And John, as is his wont, said, okay, well, let's weigh it. Let's, you know, chew the meat and spit out the bones. A lot of people thought, that's strange. How could that ever happen? No, it's, it's happening. And it will happen more. What more does God want us to do? What more influence can we have? Through Avril, we've been chairing a, a group which belongs to a government policy think tank about families, and they're about to produce a big report. Other people have written papers which go into influential journals and are read by people. So God is giving us influence. We may not always see it, but we are busily doing the things that the wife of noble character spoke of. I like this one very much. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. What does that speak of? Who are the merchants? Yeah? People who buy and sell on, yes. Financiers, yes. High financiers, very, very wealthy people. Richard Branson. Comic Relief. Bob Geldof. Any of these people. Some are charitable merchants. Some are profitable merchants. Some are both. In a sense, in the modern world, there's no distinction. But she makes pure things <clears throat> and supplies the merchants. God is going to lead us into more entrepreneurial works, I believe. We scratch the surface. There's more to come. Here are some of our entrepreneurial works. Okay, they're works of art, and they're in the corner coffee house. And you can come along and have a coffee and buy them, please. And have some wonderful cake. But we're getting entrepreneurial here. There's more to come. There are people here with dreams who have put their dreams to one side because, for very good reasons, probably, you're bringing up a family. Or... Life has been tough, and you've actually been preoccupied with other things. Maybe you're finding yourself doing something that you really didn't think you would ever be doing, but wish you were doing something more inspirational. Ask God if he has something more for you. We are a people of business. We are a people of profitability. We can plow that profitability into all sorts of ways, it's about generating wealth, not for its own sake, but for the sake of the kingdom. Clothed with strength, dignity, and wisdom, faithful instruction is on her tongue. She can laugh at the days to come. I love that one. She looks and thinks, well, you know what? I ain't going to worry because God is in charge. God's in control. Jesus said, who of you, by worrying, can add an hour to his life or an inch to his height? And it's, it's so funny because it's kind of inbuilt into us as human beings. We think it's part of who we are, but it isn't. Worrying isn't natural. And it's not about being flip 
or careless either. It's about being prepared. Remember, she prepared for the days of snow so her family would be clothed. But she can laugh at the days to come because she knows ultimately God is in control. She trusts him and his sovereignty. Remember what I said about dreaming dreams? God believes in you and what you can do more than you could possibly believe in yourself. It's a man called Ed Silvoso, who's an Argentinian businessman who has been a very successful uh, person in encouraging people to create businesses which transform communities. I love that, an idea of a business which is transformational. What could you do with a business that is transformational? That impacts the way people think, believe. Maybe an iPhone app, Android, whatever. Might be a coffee shop, might be a film production company. It might be a music recording studio. It could be absolutely anything. God has plans for us far beyond anything now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that has worked within us, Ephesians 3 to 20, uh, NIV. So I thought I'd go with the new living as well. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And even because I'm a bit of a Bible junkie, the message, God can do anything, you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. Now, this is very important because you could look at the wife of noble character and feel really condemned, couldn't you? And think, I couldn't possibly do all those things. It's about doing, it's about works, it's about the grindstone. No, it is not. Here, not by pushing us around, we don't do it by works. We don't do it to feel good through works, but by his spirit guiding gently and deeply within us. That's why we started this morning with time out. It's about getting to know him. Three things to note. We are the wife. We have done great works. We have lots more to do. But where does this wife's noble character come from? In the passage, the answer is there. And this is what really brought it home to me. That November, Saturday or Sunday, whenever it was, when I looked at it, and God spoke to me very deeply. And there's a wonderful exercise in the course. And it says, imagine you're sitting opposite Jesus in a coffee shop. <laughs> Which I can really struggle to imagine. <laughs> and because I'm a bit of a playwright on the side, I wrote a little dialogue. Me, Jesus, me, Jesus, 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 because he said he had a lot more to say. And uh, let me just get to that, actually, because he tends to speak when you let him, but sometimes I speak too much myself. The nobility, the hard work, the dedication, the devotion, the selfless love, where does it come from? The key is in verse 11 and verses 28 to 9. Let's look at those verses. Verse 11 says, Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. 
verses 28 and 9. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Now listen, let's take this literally now for a minute. It says in one of the letters, I don't know which one, I'm sure you can tell me. Wives love your husbands, and husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life up for her. Just a little admonishment to husbands, make sure you are doing that. So I'm taking it literally now. This husband is pretty awesome too. You don't hear a lot about him because he's busy at the town gate with the elders, but he's awesome because he praises his wife. Okay, back to the metaphor. Just thought I'd skip out the metaphor there and just give you a, an exhortation, husbands. But verses 28 and 9 speak of the praise that she experiences with him. Do you believe God has full confidence in you? Do you believe you can accomplish more than you can ask or imagine? Do you believe that's for you? Or do you think, yes, but there's this issue and there's that issue. And I've struggled with this thing for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and it ain't going to change overnight. And I had this dream 35 years ago, and I don't know. I don't know if we can. It's so long ago. He has full confidence in you. If you receive nothing else from this morning, believe that. That is where the wife's noble character comes from. She doesn't do it because she wants to, for its own sake. She serves because she loves her husband. We serve because we love Jesus. And sometimes you hear people talk about God and how wonderful faith in God is. Ah, yeah, anyone can talk about God. I'm talking about Jesus. Loving him, Jesus, because he has transformed our lives, yes, but loving him because he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the ruler of salvation. He's the awkward one, the stumbling block, the one that people don't like to talk about because he challenges them. When I spent a little time dwelling on this passage, Jesus said to me, it's about taking time aside. It doesn't have to be a lot of time. Sometimes five minutes with me is all it takes. I'm like the husband in the passage. It starts with love, then taking time aside to worship, meditate, and listen. Underline that, David. He actually said that to me. Cheek. This gives you the impetus to do and to delegate all these things, and even more than you could possibly ask or imagine. That's what Jesus said to me that morning as I was meditating on this in the coffee shop of my mind. It was a really special moment because I, I don't listen to him enough. There's a wonderful tweet by Rick Warren recently which really stopped me in my tracks. It said, Lord, forgive me because I speak to you, about you far often, more often than I speak to you. And I thought, boy, that's, 
challenging on so many levels. <laughs> a, I don't speak about him a great deal. And B, I certainly don't speak to him a great deal. Yet it starts with us and our love relationship with him. It's that depth of intimacy. Knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing. She is called blessed, yes, absolutely. But only because she shines like a moon when the sun reflects through her. So two things. First of all, let's come back to him. Knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing. But secondly, I want to leave you with this. What is God saying to you about you? Go back to this verse, this passage during the week. Revisit it. Meditate on it. Chew on it. Because God is saying, you are that wife, men and women. You are the wife of noble character. Take those dreams you've cast aside. Dwell on them. Ask him, is this dream to be buried? Fine, if it is. Or is it time to reawaken that dream? What is God going to put into your hand that could not only transform your life, but transform your community and possibly even the world? Big dreams but it all starts with knowing him.